Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Father God, would you have your way this morning? Would you move upon our hearts? Would you allow your spirit to dwell both amongst us and within us? Father, and whatever might come from me that is not from you, might it be forgotten. But whatever is from you, might it be quickened to our soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Amen if you're there. All right, there you go. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, not mo- are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. For how many of us, this passage uh, is one that we've turned to in times of great angst for comfort? Anybody? Anybody ever read this passage when you just you find yourself worrying? You're like, I know I'm not supposed to. And you go back to the Word of God and you're like, God, I just need you to calm and still my heart. If you haven't, I want to I encourage you this. Go ahead and, and, and mark this passage up. Highlight this page. You know, fold the corner down however it's going to remind you. Because I am for certain that there will come another day when the anxiety levels will raise. And when they do, I want to encourage you where you might turn. All right? Let's go ahead and hang on to this passage. See, I believe that God is, uh, is, is lining us up to be able to deal with some things that are coming at us already and might be coming at us in the future. Some things both in our personal lives and maybe our professional careers. Some things in our corporate setting and some things in our, in our individual walk. Uh, some things that, that, that no one will ever know about because you, you don't really want to give voice to it and talk about it out loud. And, and some things that you can't help but talk about because everybody around you can tell. I mean, if there's ever a time to talk about worry, think about this. We're probably in one of the greatest times of, of worry and confusion that we have been in recently as a nation and, and, and even beyond that as, as people as we begin to say, how do we battle against something that we can't see coming? Y'all have no idea what I'm talking about? Y'all haven't turned your news on? Oh, okay, maybe you have. Okay, so, so I mean, there's all kind of illustrations we could talk about. Think about this. The folks who were 
aboard the cruise liner that was kept at bay, or at sea, not at bay, was kept at sea, wanting to be at bay, kept at sea, and was circling around and around because they weren't allowed to get off because they knew that amongst them was a viral infection. You think there was some worry there? Told to stay in your cabin and not come out in fear of what may be? Do you think it raised any anxiety levels? Maybe a little bit. Maybe one or two people slightly concerned. As word got out about this illness and they, they, they triggered folks who were much older and folks who were much younger and said you were at a greater risk, raise any levels of concern for people? Matter of fact, I imagine some levels of concern might be a result of why some of our friends aren't with us today. Said, hey, you know, I need, to, I need to stay back and I'll listen to this one online. I think there's a lot of reasons in today's day why we worry. Last week we talked about uh, investing and resourcing and talked about how the stock market had not done so well. And uh, it's, 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 it's ironic and a continuum that you come out of this point, point where you're saying, hey, like all of our hope that was placed in these resources disappeared. You think that caused worry for anybody? You think that caused any sleepless nights or angst? We had a joke on the plane as we were flying home. We said, if we hear you cough once, it's okay. If we hear you cough twice, we're moving away. Right? Like, and it was a joke, but it wasn't really a joke. <laughs> like, we were watching, we were watching, and we kept a tally, and we were like, I'm moving, I'm moving far away. How far can you move? We, we flew on the, on, on the smallest jetliner possible. How far can you move? Like, uh-uh. Matter of fact, let me just tell you real quickly. This has nothing to do with the message, but let me tell you real quickly. The, uh, the blessings of the Lord. Um, they were walking down the center aisle. The, the lady who... Uh, the, Rick, what are, what are those folks called? Thank you. I didn't want to get it wrong. I, I know people have feelings about that. Flight attendant, the flight attendant was coming down and she came up to, uh, to First Lady and I. She said, uh, she looked at her, nodded at me, and she said, Ma'am, would, uh, would you want to move to the exit row? And I looked at her and I said, like, You better not move to that exit row. There was only one seat. I don't know, you're staying with me. And she said, No, no, that's okay. And then she, and sitting next to us was Sean. And she said, But, but Sean might want to go. And you know, Sean was like, Yeah, I'll go to the exit row. And internally, Michelle and I were really excited. We were like, we're going to have a three-seater for two people. This is going to be great, right? We are like, score! Sean gets the exit row. It's a win for everybody. And then we see the flight attendant turn around and nod like this to the front of the plane. And in comes another person that we don't know and sits next to Michelle. And Michelle just looks at me. I'm like, oh, we... And then said lady, who is a little bit older in life, pulls her, her Afghan kind of thing up over her head and begins to fall asleep. And we're like, okay, this is going to be great. And then just leans. <laughs> and for two hours, just sleeps on Michelle. <laughs> it was quite the, quite the adventure. 
Quite the adventure home. But she didn't cough, so we were all right. We were all right. We were all right. I want to uh, teach you uh, uh, a word uh, that, uh, a name for God that we find in Scripture. And uh, we find it back in the book of Genesis. And, uh, but the, the, the name, I'm going to ask you to repeat this with me. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh means God my provider. God my provider. Now some of you remember a song from when you were kids. Anybody remember the Jehovah Jireh song? Was anybody like inspired right then? Anybody want to jump up and sing it? Not that inspired. Okay, just checking. Just checking. But yeah, yeah, Jehovah. I I actually, when I listen, when I hear that, I remember it in Spanish. I do. I do. And it's because I went to a bilingual church. And so I, 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 and I, I'm not going to sing it. I don't remember it that well. Sorry. But Alex, if you want to come do a duet, we got it. No? Okay. All right. Back to the message then. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and flip over to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. I'll, I'll help you make sense of why we're talking about it. Starting in verse 1 of Genesis 22. Let me hear amen when you get there. I heard one amen from Rachel. Anybody else going with her? Okay, thank you. Genesis 22, starting in the first verse. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. You can imagine how excited Abraham was. Here I am, God. And then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love. That's Isaac. Oh, yeah, that's him. And go to the region of Moriah. Uh, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. You all remember this story. You can imagine uh, Abraham just went from really excited, here I am, Lord, to, uh, God, you must be calling the wrong guy. Isaac, you want me to take Isaac? Did I hear you right, God? You said take Isaac to give a sacrifice? It sounded like you said to be a sacrifice. That wasn't what I was anticipating you to say, God, when I was so excited to say, here I am. So early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. By the way, let me pause for a second. Insert worry. God tells you today that tomorrow he wants you to take your greatest joy and give it away. You have a restless night. Come on, somebody, understand the scripture today. You're going to be obedient to God, but you're going to have a restless night. God says everything that you love is going to be taken from you tomorrow. Somebody be honest and tell me you're going to have a restless night. Somebody. Right? I mean, you're not, you're not just going to be, okay, God, cool. I'm, going to get, I'm just going to go sleep now, wake up in the morning, get all done. I mean, you're going to be battling with the Lord through the night like, God, you're going to be pleading with God. You're going to be crying out, hey, God, some other way. Something different. Let me know that I heard you wrong. Somehow, some way. At least that's what I would do. Maybe it's that my faith is too small. But I think you'd probably be with me in the wrestle through the night. Matter of fact, I'd hope if I heard that from the Lord, I hope that all of you would wrestle with the Lord for me through the night. Let's get back to the text. So early the next morning, Abraham got up and he loaded his donkey and he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out 
for the place that God had told him about. So on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there and we will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham looked, uh, took the wood and the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. Uh, as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said, to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, the fire and wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered him, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. The two of them went on together. And when they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built, on, built an altar and there, uh, there and arranged the wood on it. Then he bound his son And he laid him on the altar on top of the wood, and then he reached out his hand, and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him and said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket, He saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. To this day on the mountain, on on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. When Abraham cried out, the Lord will provide. He cried out, Jehovah Jireh. And that call, that that declaration tells that whole story. It tells the story of being without answer and God being the only answer. It tells the story of being without a way and God being the only way. It tells the story of being just at the end and God providing. It tells the story of God answering the wrestle through the night that Abraham had with God as he waited for God to provide an answer to a question that he was literally going to die with. God, how could you ever? God, would you please? God, show up. God, in my greatest moment of need, Be present. God, only you can provide it. You have to think for a moment that when you come to great moments of crisis, that you and I would do anything we could to avert that situation, right? Am am, am I right? I mean, if, if, if you just saw it coming at you, and you knew all the impact it was going to have. You would do anything you could to get out of the way. Right? Just, uh, just the other day, we're, while we were down in Florida, we were driving in the car. And, 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 and 
Yeah, we were just driving along. Let's just keep the story simple. We were driving along, and, and you know, it was, it was Michelle and, and Lady Lori and Charlie were with us, and uh, we were all just kind of motoring along, and coming at us was another vehicle motoring toward us. And it may have been my fault I might have been in their lane, or it may have been their fault they may have been in my lane. doesn't matter. It depends on whose opinion you're asking, I guess. But, but either way, what we saw was this is not good. This is not good. And everybody else seemed to see it before me. I may have been the one driving, and everybody else may have seen it before me. And at one point, you just heard the loud, like, cry for help from everybody in the car, to which point I then realized I was in someone else's lane and moved over. But that moment, that last moment of being like, ah! I, we're, it's, it's over. If you don't do something, every one of us would try to do something, right? I believe Pastor Charlie was trying to come over the back seat at me. I believe Michelle was reaching for the wheel. I believe Lori was praying to God that he would just, the, 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 the rapture would happen first. Like, like, we were praying that somehow this was going to change. And I simply opened my eyes at that point and then said, okay, turn the wheel. And, uh, and, and we, we made it. Praise God, we're still here today. But the point of that silly illustration is just that when a moment of real crisis comes, every one of us will do anything we can to try to get out of it. We're going to try every way possible that's, that's in our own power and strength. But the story that, that the, the Genesis story tells us is that there was nothing Abraham could do. That God had declared what needed to be done, and Abraham's only act was obedience. So the wrestle through the night was, God, provide some other way. Anything besides this. Anything besides this. Imagine the joy when God does provide the other way. But you and I aren't being asked in a situation like this to be like, hey, you're only kid. I mean, that's not what God's asking of you. Let's, let's kind of bring it into a sense that make, bring it to a, a story that kind of helps us to understand a little bit more. So what is the real moments of worry that live within us? It's not like, God, are you going to provide something else for me to sacrifice so I don't have to give up my kid? What are the moments that make you, ah, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and, and, and think about that for a second. What is the moment that gives you the greatest angst, the greatest sense of worry, the greatest sleepless nights? For some of you who are parents of older kids, it's like, what is, what's going to happen over there, right? Like, how are my kids going to do as they're out on their own, right? I, I don't know that situation. My kids are little, little, and, and, and I'm praying for those days when they will go out on their own. I'm praying that they'll... No, okay, I won't say that one out loud, okay? Um, I'm just praying, just praying. So, but what is it for you that gives you that great moment of being like, God, I'm, 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 I need you. I need you to do this right now. Is it finances? Is it relationships? Is it fear? As you think about that, I'm going to ask you to hang on to it because I want to ask you this question. Abraham needed needed God to show up. And when God showed up, he revealed himself to be a great provider. Do you believe that Jehovah Jireh can provide for the thing you worry most about.
you honestly believe that? Not would you say yes to me or say yes in the crowd, but at the core, do you believe God to be the one who can provide? Maybe another way to say this is would you trust God with what you wrestle with today? I want to introduce you to God the provider. I want you to experience God the way that only God can allow you to. That you would, you would know God in the intimacy of being re- relational with you, being present with you, being one who you can wrestle through with the night, but you can depend on in the morning. I want you to know that, that when, when everything else seems to fade away, when, when every opportunity, when the last moment to turn the wheel isn't there for you, God still is. That, that God, the great provider, has declared that he will indeed meet the needs of your life. I mean, the story that that Jesus tells as he's teaching and he gives the illustration of doesn't God provide, even provide outer clothing for for the lilies of the field and the flowers and the trees? If God will do that, what will he do for you? I want to actually say this. He wasn't just giving some silly illustration. He was literally saying, if God will do that, how much more will he do for, watch this, for those who were made to bear his image? Who is it that just told us that? It's Jesus, the, the full revelation of God. The full revelation of God standing before the people says, God will take care of the flowers and the trees. And if he'll do that, you better believe he'll take care of you. Now, why would that be so relevant and important? Go back to Genesis chapter 2. Come on, get there with me. Genesis chapter 1, excuse me. Genesis chapter 1. Turn your Bibles there real quick. Watch this. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Sorry for that, Mike. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Watch what he says here. <clears throat> you remember the story. God is in the business of creating. It's day 6, and God's going to show off. On days 1 through 5, he made things that were pretty special. But in day 6, he did his best work. And then God said... I'm in verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky and over the livestock and the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. God said, let us make mankind where? In our, come on, somebody will be, in our image. Jesus is standing amongst the people and he's saying, if God will do that for all of that, how much more will he do for the ones he created to, re- to, to bear his reflection? Jesus himself is standing there saying, he said, look, nobody looks more like God to me and all of you, because together we bear the image of God. So if God is going to take care of anything, you better believe he's going to take care of those that are closest to him. That's all of you. That's every one of us because closest to him, simply put, being those who were created to look like God. By the way, according to Genesis chapter 1, that's everyone. That's everyone. One of the most beautiful things I saw while I was down uh, was... We were all captivated by the the mix of people. There was people from every hue. There was there was there was light brown and dark brown. There was there was there was bright white and light white. 
I mean, it was, it was just, it was all of it. it was people who were allergic to the sun and they were in Orlando. I don't know how that was going to work out for them, but, and then it was people who just looked like they, they lived in the sun, you know, like they were golden, you know, like they just every hue you could imagine was present. And the beauty of, uh, uh, both, both in the crowd and those who were leading up front, the beauty of just seeing the image of God. Like, God, this is a holistic picture of you. That somehow all of us carry the markings of the king. And Jesus says that God is in the business of taking care of his people. God is promising to take care of his people. 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God said, let me show you what I can do. By the way, you know the rest of that story, it says after that, he says, God gave him a couple of instructions, and then he took a rest. He said, this was my best work. And then he rested for a day. I want to, I guess, point us to something to help us to think about this. We take care of that which means the most to us. You get it. The things that you care about the most. Like physical objects that you care about the most. I've got an autograph basketball by Michael Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. That's special. That, who, who said who is he? Oh, okay. I was going to say, if you said who is he, I'm just going to pray for you right now. <clears throat> it's special. It's so special to me that I got a special commemorative box with acrylic glass. Uh, and I put it in there, and I make sure no dust gets on it. It can get on the box, but it can't get on the ball. I've never let my kids touch it. That's going to stay that way for a long time. You know what I mean? If I ever see my kid in a marker going near the ball, it's trouble. It's trouble, right? So, because it means a lot to me. But I have other basketballs. They don't mean as much to me. I got one laying in the backyard. You might see it out there now. I got one that just recently got hit by a car. I may have been driving that car. I've got one inside of the car, right, so that it doesn't get hit by the car. We even got one that we left in the rental vehicle because we couldn't fit it in our bag to bring it back. So it's in Florida. I guess that's probably not mine anymore. But they don't mean as much to me. They're just balls that I go outside and shoot with. I just need one of those. It doesn't matter which one it is. I just need one of them when I want to shoot. But the one that means something special to me is treated in a special way. You get it? How many of you have more than one kid? Yeah, you understand what I'm saying. (laughs) No kids in the room. We can talk about it openly, all right? You can get it. Just nod if you understand what I'm saying. Okay, you're sitting next to your wife or your husband. You don't want to talk about it. Okay, all right, great, no problem. Michelle, uh, I came home, uh, yes, Friday night, came home, and Saturday went out to, to work with the project, and Michelle sent me a text, and she said, Ray, I, I'm concerned 
for, uh, for, for Tommy. He's, uh, he's, he's feeling sick. He's got the runny nose and whatever. I was working. There wasn't much I could do. Not to mention, I'm just clueless about that kind of thing. I don't know what I would have done anyway. But my heart sunk. My boy is hurting. Oh, God. Would you take care of my boy? Like every good parent would do, I wanted to run home and make it all better. I couldn't. But I have to imagine this. If this tainted reflection of God and the heart of God meshed in with all the sin of who I am, if my heart broke for a runny nose, how much more does the father's heart break for that which his kids need? I want to empower you. When you come to your moment of worry, of deep angst, don't believe the lie that God's heart isn't moving with you. If my heart breaks for my son when he gets a sniffle, I got to imagine when God sees what you're up against, his heart moves in your direction. The last thing I want us to point out this morning is that not only is that God the great provider, Jehovah Jireh, not only is God uniquely made you and me to be intimately tied to him, image bearers, God is also the great rescuer. If you have your Bible still, go ahead and flip to John chapter 3. We're going to look at John chapter 3, and then we're going to look at John chapter 10. John chapter 3, verses 16 to 21. John chapter 3, verses 16 to 21. You probably know verse 16 pretty well. You remember it. You were taught it in a Sunday school or summer friends or somewhere along the way, and it says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Let me say it again. For God so loved the world that he did what? His one and only son. By the way, if you hear that same language, you might, it might sound familiar to you this morning. That's the same language from Genesis chapter 22 when God calls Abraham to sacrifice his one and only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus came with a purpose to redeem life eternally, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through Jesus. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done. In the sight of God. God sent Jesus 
not just to die on the cross. God sent Jesus to die on the cross that he might rescue the world. Jehovah Jireh, the great provider, saw the greatest need that you and I did not even yet understand to give voice to cry out to God for. He saw the greatest need, which was eternal separation from him, that evil and perfection cannot be together. And God said, let me solve, let me provide, let me make a way, let me be the bridge, let me connect what shouldn't be with what must be or what can be or what shall be. Let me bring together things that have Uh, have moved apart. Let me do this so that the world might be rescued, be brought back, be gifted life. Who can do that? Who knows those needs? Who understands what what, what it would take? Only the Father. Turn with me one more time to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. I want to make clear to us today that Jesus is, that God is the great provider, Jehovah Jireh. That God has created us to be his image bearers. And God desires nothing more than to rescue us, to bring us back. I am the gate. I'm in verse 9. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out. They will find pasture. But the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Friends, this morning... I can't help but tell you, my God is a great provider. My God desires to meet the greatest needs of your life. My God shows up in every relevant way, in the smallest things that we need, and the greatest thing that we would ever need. But understand this, my God declared himself that he's the gate. He is the only option. Like Abraham, you might be wrestling right now. You might find yourself between this and a hard place, and you're saying, oh, I just don't know. How do I? You might find yourself worrying about how something is going to work out. Please hear me. The wrestle, the wrestle, you need to be in it. But the answer is found in him. Please get it today. The wrestle, the worry, the angst, the confusion, those things, some of those things are appropriate to wrestle through. But the answer is found in the great provider. The answer is found in the only one who can possibly reconcile death and life. Jesus came that you and I bound up, laid on the altar, 
ready to be sacrificed, might have a way out. And the way out is found in the king. This morning I want to give you an opportunity to, uh, to really think about that. I don't know what it is that you find yourself to be worrying about or what it is that you find it to be heavy on your heart, but I do know this. I know that Jesus has said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one, no one will find their way without him. No one. So if you're anything like me, you've been wandering for a long time. You've been trying to work it out on your own. You've been trying to kick down doors. You've been trying to run through things. You've been trying to to, to just do all that you possibly could to make your own way. The joy I find is when I say, Making a way on my own is not going to happen, God. And sometimes it takes me battering into the wall like a ram, head first, a bunch of times before I finally realize, God, I need you. But in those moments, when we yield, when we say, God, it's only through you that this is possible, when we finally give up and say, God, I'm at the altar. I'm literally here. There's nowhere else for me to go. So God, you're the great provider, and I'm just waiting for the provision. God, show up in a way that changes my reality, in a way that redirects my life, in a way that repurposes my steps. This morning, I've got to ask you, would you yield to that, God? you yield to Jehovah Jireh, God, the provider of all things in life, small and big. Every time I find myself scanning my my, uh, boarding pass, walking down that corridor, step onto the plane, I just want to sing. I first want to sing this song. Leaving on a dead plane. Y'all know that song. And then when we sit down in the seat, we're just about to take off. I find myself thinking, I'll fly away. Right? I'll In both of those moments, when I realize I have no control, whatever's going to happen for the duration of this flight, I got nothing. Nothing. Friends, I want to ask you, please, if you haven't yet, yield to the one who can provide. Say yes to the God who has already chosen you. Say yes to the one who came that you and I may have life that's full. Full. 
Jesus this morning, I pray. I pray for every man and woman in this room. I pray for everyone who will listen to this online. I pray for anybody who these words might get out to. I pray that all the worries we have, and they're true worries, God. There are things that keep us up at night. Of all the worries we have, while being relevant and real in our life, would be yielded to you, God. The one who has declared that you came to provide for all of our life. When you say you desire to give us life that is full, that means you're providing for the fullness of our life. You know our needs. You know the things we're, we're anxious about. I get it, God. You say be anxious about nothing. But prayerfully coming before you, we say, God, here it is. That which causes us to stir. God, I pray that within each one of us, there would be a response that we just say, God, I want to be free in you. God, I believe upon you for the fullness of life. God, I need you to do what only you can do. And God, so doing that, I surrender. Surrender, I give up. I'm obedient to what you're asking. I'm moving in your direction. But God, I just need you to invade, invade my life. Fill the, 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 the cracks in my life, God, that I would be full in ways that only you can. And for anybody who might be here today and hasn't yet said, Jesus, I need you to be Lord. And I pray this morning right here, God, that they will believe upon you for salvation. are the way, the truth, and the life. No one finds the answer to life except in you. And Jesus, this morning, we respond to you prayerfully, and as our hearts are able, we sing to you with thanksgiving. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.